he really got me. You know, I think it's because he was gay. Got the nuances more. Gotta get me a gay, Mickey. Gotta get a gay. Well, hello, and welcome to another episode of In the Details, a celebration of nuance where each week, or at whatever interval I manage to manage, I queen out on all of the acting choices, micro moments, and magic of the minutiae that make a scene great. My name is Colin Drucker. Your name continues, of course, to be Barbara Bel Geddes. <laughs> and <laughs> this week, we are, we are not alone. Uh, we are joined by, I mean, I don't want to just totally queen out from the start i'll i'll ease in but certainly um one of my favorite voices when it comes to people talking about horror movies talking about uh acting choices and nuances in the horror genre and talking about final girls which i'm obsessed with probably because of your blog final girl um please welcome to the podcast stacy ponder <laughs> I know. Now I'm like, I wish I was Barbara Bel Geddes, honestly. Oh, I mean, honorary Barbara Bel Geddes, certainly. I mean, Miss Ellie of Television's Dallas. Like, I, come on. I know. I just want people to feel like that regal when they're here, yeah. when they're listening, oh, you know? God, what an honor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am so happy to have you here. I, as I said, I've been a. I'm one of those people who was a big Final Girl fan since college and like was like, oh my God, there's somebody out there who got these ideas and these references. I didn't think anyone else saw this, you know? Um, and so uh, certainly stumbling across Gaylords of Darkness, your podcast with Anthony Hudson was like, it was just like, oh my, Christmas has come years <laughs> early. <laughs> so nice thank you of course of course i mean you know, it's not like just anybody can have a blog or a podcast so it is a sort of privileged area in which i work so to be recognized is so yes. nice. <laughs> but it's nice to know i mean sometimes you do feel like you're just talking into the air which is fine but it's nice to know that there are people out there getting it you know yeah i mean i think that that's like podcasts are like this now and I think blogs have been like this where it's you know maybe there are a, like a core thousand people out there who are like this is my like I I check this on the daily and and that to me I think is like success if there are a thousand people out there that are as obsessed with what I'm obsessed with as I am mm -hmm. like that's pretty much all the confirmation I need to know that I'm not crazy right <laughs> yeah exactly <You> know? <laughs> exactly no matter what so, everyone tells you Right, right, right. Like, what do they know? Yeah. 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 Um, so, of course, um, and I've, I've queened out about this pod, your podcast plenty on here, but in case anyone is not familiar, um, if you share, you know, a little uh, a little elevator pitch. I don't know, a podcast oh, pitch. God. Tell us about Gaylords of Darkness. Oh, I'm so bad at the elevator pitch. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's, I'm just, I can't be, I'm either too succinct where I'm like, I do a thing. Or, right. like, you know, I talk for 10 minutes, so I'll try to find a happy medium. Uh, it's just uh, my co-host, Anthony Hudson, and I, uh, we have a weekly sh podcast. Uh, it comes out on Wednesdays called Gaylords of Darkness, where we just look at horror movies um, and usually decide that they're gay. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> we find the gay in it somehow, yeah. no matter what. 
Um, but yeah, we just kind of look at horror movies, usually women-centric horror movies, quite frankly. Mm. Um, and it's a, it's not completely serious. We have a lot of laughs and uh, try to make each other laugh. Um, but we also sort of get into the nuances and the details and all of that good stuff. So. Yeah, I think one of my favorites that it was like, oh, it was one of those like, oh my god, you got that too, is of course from Halloween. It's the keys, the keys. The keys. <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those things that you like, you you pick up and then you just like put in that back pocket, and it's just always always there. It's you know, always like there. Yeah, and and I can see the way your hands are like, you know, the elbows and the hands trying to get into the pockets, <laughs> leaning on the yeah. door. Yeah. And you just find it running through your head like a song or yes. something. You know, it's so weird. It's but. so weird. It, yeah. And and then like saying it out loud. I mean, I, I find the, the benefit of having a cat is I'm not really talking to myself. You right. know? <laughs> yeah. So if I want to play these things out, I kind of have an audience. That's true. That's true. Because yeah. when you do it in front of someone who has no idea what you're talking about. When you're just like getting in the car and you're like, oh, the keys, the key. And they're like, you're holding them. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Why are you so excited? There's so. nothing like the blank stare of, I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Just sucks all the cool right out of you, you know? Totally. Totally. It's like, well, I'll just sit here. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, of course, this week, I feel like it's super appropriate in terms of queening out on little nuances. Uh, to be talking about Ruth Gordon in Rosemary's Baby, Ugh. which is, I think, a, I mean, the movie itself, I have so many thoughts, but I think Ruth Gordon in particular is such a, her performance is so strange, and I, I just did, we just did an episode that's going to come out, um, I think a few days before this episode on my relatively new podcast, best supporting podcast uh, where we're queening out on best supporting actresses. And we talked about Ruth Gordon and um, the kind of thesis or the conclusion I kind of came to at this performance is that it, part of the reason that it works so well is that in the context or of like the, the tone or the way the rest of the movie is being played, it almost doesn't work. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Like, She's playing a totally different frequency. Yes. That, like, my co-host on that podcast, Nick, he was like, at first, like, I couldn't really understand why she won, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And I, I thought was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll stop recording now. No, but... <laughs> yeah, do over, do over. <laughs> right, right. But, you know, to be honest, the first time I ever saw this movie... I kind of was like, this is a terrible performance. Right. Um, and I th it was many years ago. I think I wasn't, like, fluent. Um, but I'm curious, like, your take on, on – does, does that read for you, or do you see, like, like right away how this is working? Uh, I think it's both at once. Mm -hmm. Because she does stick out, like, a sore thumb with too much rouge on it yes, you know? yes. <laughs> right um but it's it kind of struck me watching it f in preparation for this that it's it's sort of as if Minnie castavette is also putting on a performance throughout yeah. the whole film and so it just adds this other layer of like somehow everything she does is really authentic and genuine while being while coming off as inauthentic, as Ruth Gordon being inauthentic. 
Yeah. Oh, I I totally think that's what it is. Like I just before we recorded, I rewatched that scene where she comes to the apartment for the first time and she has that rambling way she talks about Terry dying and oh, you know, we'll have to just move on, you know, and like it's it is so strange. It's hitting all these weird notes where it's like, Ruth Gordon, do you not know how to read a line? <laughs> yeah. But it's Minnie kind of playing through this, like the last notes of grief to then like transition. Like she's she's doing all of this on purpose. Right. That's the and thing. That's, she's she's yeah. annoying. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> she's a busybody. She's annoying. She's bumbling. Um, mm-hmm. She's just kind of in her own world. So... At at best, she's gonna be thought of as irritating. But regardless, right. it's she's unassuming, right? And I think that 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 level of irritation and intrusion, it's kind of like the that flavor is so overpowering that you don't even notice like the subtle flavors of like deviousness going on underneath. Yes. So that Rosemary just has no idea because it's more like. Who's this woman who's, like, looking through my mail, you know? Yeah, when the doorbell <laughs> rings, you just sit there going, oh, please, no, no, yeah. please, no. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Right. You think the worst of your problems is that she won't leave, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. you don't even suspect the whole baby thing. Right, you know? exactly, yeah. <laughs> she's not a Satanist. She's just really driving me crazy. Right, yeah. right, right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what's worse, you know? Um, so now – just in terms of like your own history with this movie, with this performance, Ruth Gordon, when's the first time you saw Rosemary's Baby? Um, I saw it for the first time as a teenager and it really didn't click with me because I was a teenager who wanted to watch like slasher movies and all of this. Mm -hmm. And so you see like, Oh, Rosemary's Baby is one of the most frightening movies of all time. And you get ready. And then as of like a 15 year old, you're like, the hell is this like this isn't scary like what's going on and so it's kind of i put it off for a really long time and it's just it's been the last couple of years that i've really just it's clicked with me and i'm like my god every frame every actor every moment of this film is just breathtaking like it is absolutely a masterpiece yeah, you know it's funny. I think that's actually I, I my same I had the same kind of history where I first saw it as a teenager, and at that time I was in that cataloging phase of of slashers and um you know just I it was either looking for I mean being being gay in the like because I'm 34 now so like I was doing this probably started when I was like 12 to like you know till I went to college so um, late 90s early 2000s you know in terms of like what was available for um, me as a gay person, particularly when my parents had the AOL parental controls, like, <laughs> you know, Italian horror movies were where I was going to find male nudity is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <Right. Yeah. laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'm like, it's like watching like obscure giallo films because like, oh my God, you're going to see the back of a scrotum. <laughs> no, like it's <laughs> just so ridiculous. But, you know, you work with it. And so um, I felt like I was either looking for that or more, more so like looking for final girls like looking for chase scenes looking for that note and i think rosemary's baby always yeah it had the same mystique of being this like terrifying foundational movie and then you watch it and it's just like it's like what is going on like uh you know like when when is this going to get scary when is like the stuff like it feels like it doesn't get get scary until like that chase scene after they pick her up from dr hill's office Mm mm-hmm yeah, the, like the, you're kind of, the last 10 minutes of the movie, maybe. Yeah, like that hits those same notes that like, oh, the part of me looking for a slasher movie, that's that was what I was looking for. 
Um, but then, yeah, I had the same thing, like watching it again later. I think the beauty of it is like, I mean, just even like the, the pink, you know, uh, font as the credits yes. with the music. I mean, that I just, I'm thinking of getting like a framed picture of the opening credits and just Ruth Gordon's name in the pink over the like, oh, yeah. skyline. La, yeah. La, la. You could put a little sound chip on it. <laughs> yeah. Mia Farrow's lullaby. <laughs> It's like one of those, like, what was it like when you have, like, the fish and you, as you walk by, it turns and sinks <laughs> yeah, in you. Billy Bass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just turns and goes, what do you say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> now, have you, have you read the book as well? I have not read the book, actually. I want to. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, you know, because um, Roman Polanski and, you know, we can... We can mention the kind of, you know, uh, gray area of loving the movie and not endorsing the, the director of it. But right. um, he had like never written a, an adaptation before. And so apparently he thought, oh, you have to follow the book word for word. You can't deviate. And so the there's so much of the book is, is literally what you see in the movie. So oh. it's almost like um, it kind of solves that problem that happens when you either like see the movie first or read the book first where it's like, oh, this didn't really like. This doesn't match up with how I know this story because mm-hmm. it's literally the same thing. Um, but yeah, the book is amazing. The book is, um, I, I feel like, have you read uh, The Stepford Wives? Yes. Oh, so I mean, it's the same thing where you're just reading a mundane scene of people making coffee and you're like, God, I'm terrified. Why am I so right. tense right now? You know? Um, but yeah, I, uh, I guess just to touch on that note about, because I feel like it's requisite. Um, and I feel like you guys talked about this on Gaylords of Darkness, but that thing of like, there's the art and then there's like the issues around the person who created the art. Does that mean you cancel the art, you know? Right. Um, where do you stand on that point of view? Um, I think everybody has their line in the sand Mm -hmm. that they want to draw. Um, what they can watch, what they can't watch. I think for me, the big deciding factor is the work itself in terms of how, how well, what's the context of the work? What is the work trying to say? Like, I I guess I'm thinking specifically of like Victor Salva Mm -hmm. sure, and his Jeepers Creepers movies and all of his work that sort of seems to uh, just be his way of dealing with his, predilections shall we call them yeah yeah you know Um, that he's living out his fantasies or indulging himself on screen mm -hmm. and it's like does rosemary's baby do that i don't think so you know it's just yeah oh that's that's an interesting point yeah i mean anyone who's seen was it clown house where it's just like like I need a shower. This is just I don't feel right watching this. Yeah, Jeepers um, Creepers too, where it's just like, yeah. you know, all the boys are in their underwear, and it's like, yikes. Yeah, it it feels very sort of bold faced of like, God, like you just you're just kind of being very blatant about this, aren't you? Right. Um, whereas I agree, I don't think I don't think any of that reads in Rosemary's Baby. I think they exist in two totally different places, and the way I look at it is like whatever all everything that had happened everything roman polanski's done i don't think has any i don't think you can then say well i don't think you can like demote ruth gordon's performance because of it you know right um or not celebrate it or not recognize um 
for example, the like four and a half minute single take shot of Rosemary in the phone booth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And sometimes a thing like, you know, it's hard to watch a movie or, you know, I mean, watching the naked gun now and like mm. there's OJ Simpson. It's like, oh, uh, you know. Yeah, but yeah, f- for me personally, and maybe that's just me being shitty. I don't know, but I think like Rosemary's Baby transcends. Like Roman Polanski has made some incredible movies. So have a lot of other people. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, so have I mean, it, it's it's weird, but it's like I've been um, I've been revisiting the first season of Project Runway just as like kind of like easy TV. <laughs> um, it's a nice antidote to Marianne. <laughs> right. oh, God, <laughs> you know, yeah. God, I, ha- I haven't even finished it yet. It's just so oh, heavy. It's so know? good. It's so good. Um, but, you know, then when it's like, oh, Harvey Weinstein, executive producer, it's like, ugh. ugh. He's like, the executive producer of Carol. Oh, God. Ugh. You know? Like, right. But right. does that negate that entire film? Because he came in after the fact and put his name on it so we could make a book? Right, right, exactly. And I, I mean, I think it's just so much of this gray area where it's like both of these things can be true. Right, you know? right. Um, we were talking about this on um, my other podcast, All Right, Mary. We were ta- kind of talking about um, gay charities and how there are vanity charity, you know, events that, you know, I always think like in New York, like the Toys for Tots party that all the like, you know, white gays go to and they all get these like black and white photos taken there. And it's very like this requisite thing you see every year on like social media. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um, I was kind of railing against that. And it's like, but at the same time, you can't like, yeah, there are these people who are going there just for the clout and the ego and like, oh, look, I went to this event and here are all my pictures and there are celebrities. But that doesn't deny that the event may have still done charitable things. Right. And, you know, so it's like, do I cancel the event because like some really basic bros went there? No, like that's not fair, you right. know? Yeah. Um, it's just sometimes so think... it's possible to hold concurrent thoughts, mm-hmm. Contradic- mm. concurrent contradictory thoughts. Right, right. It's you know, I, I, it just it doesn't all have to fit into two hundred and eighty characters on right. Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Um, so let's you know, let's dive into uh, Rosemary's Baby a bit, and um, and Ruth Gordon specifically. Um, you know, I feel like. You know, on Best Supporting Podcast, we talk about this this idea of like the gay whistle tone is like this that like thing <laughs> yeah. that like somebody does to me. I think Tony Collette and Hereditary like hits that for me of like oh oh like you're you're at a twenty seven right now like that's <laughs> that's resonating to me yeah. um, and like and it feels like that thing that like I'm I'm hearing because it's like I've spent that like queer childhood looking for looking through like you know the catalogs of weird campy things to find what I identified with. So um, I feel like from the start, from like the moment we see Ruth Gordon, the whistle tone is going off. Like from the outfit immediately on, we know that this is something different. Yes. Yeah. That's really funny you say that because so often it's like, you'll you'll pick up on something and you you look around in a metaphorical circle right like your internet circle (laughs) and you realize that all the other people who have picked up on it are like oh we're all gay and so you just you feel like donald sutherland at the end of invasion of the body snatchers you know (laughs) (laughs) just pointing and screaming pointing and screaming like you understand I know. I know. We run around feeling like Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. But, it's just like, <laughs> but we're all Donald Sutherland. Yeah, we're all Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
uh, that is tangent. One of my favorite movie endings. Oh, I, God, like, it's incredible. I mean, and like a perfect example of a movie that gives like that like big heavy final note to like a supporting woman. You mm-hmm. know, like I love that her character gets to be like the focus of the ending. Yes, um, her doing Veronica, Veronica Cartwright doing what she does best, which is like uh, losing her shit. <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, <laughs> I uh, recently rewatched Witches of Eastwick again, and it was just like this performance. Like, how are people not recognizing how iconic she is in that movie? Mm-hmm. It's oh, I just yeah. Um, so I uh, yeah, I feel like right away, like for me, that moment of looking around to the metaphorical circle. It's when Minnie sees Rosemary for the first time, and she holds her glasses out and squints. Yeah. It's like that choice. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. She has so many moments like that that are so authentic. Yeah. But so yeah. weird because no one's really doing that on film. Right, right. And I I always see that in the lens of like no one told her to do that. You know, like right. these are undirectable moments um, that she does. I mean, that the scene when she then goes to the apartment to see Rosemary, there is, I mean... There's one point, this is like, I mean, you know, this is the thesis of this podcast is there's this one micro moment, (laughs) but there's this one moment where I think she's kind of like angling to see like the living room and she like licks her lips and like wipes her nose. She does this like sort of mannered kind of like hungry look. And I always like, where in your point of view, like where did these like acting choices come from? Because I just don't think you could tell someone to do that, you know? I think there's specifically Ruth Gordon. You know, like Mm -hmm. there's so she has a lot of idiosyncrasies that like like to me, Minnie Castavet is like the dark twin sister of Maud, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and so many (laughs) things carry over. Like she just has this way of of like kind of pointing and hesitating before she takes a step and says something. Mm hmm. And it's like no one taught her how to do that or told her that was appropriate. She just feels it and does it. Right, right. And you, I don't, and I wonder is like she the architect of this? Is it like channeling, you know? Right. Um, I feel like maybe I think people kind of give this to like Meryl Streep that all of the little nuances are kind of planned out or can seem a bit, um, like overly performative, like that she knows she's going to break in this moment or she knows that she's going to like, I'm going to pick up the pen on this beat or whatever. Yes, exactly, exactly. And I don't necessarily mind that. Um, but I don't think that Ruth Gordon, I think when she, like, when she goes into the living room and when she's, like, asking how much the chair costs and she scratches at a stain and she lifts the, the, the pillow, to me, it's, it's like she's being possessed by the energy of Minnie. Yes. Yeah. Or like, she, she hands, she picks up Rosemary's mail and hands mm-hmm. it to her and obviously is nosy and wants to know. But then she just kind of, you know, says, ah, adds. And just like, yeah. and it feels like that's not even a scripted line. <laughs> right, right. It, yeah, exactly. It does not. It feels like something she just did, and they're like, "Oh, let's just keep it in." Yeah. Um. Even the way that she leaves that the apartment, there's almost the edge of her like kind of dancing off. Like she's. It makes me think of like when you see a like a stage production and a character or an actor stays in character well past people seeing them exit. You know, like <laughs> yeah. they're just still sauntering off, and it's just just in case anyone notices. Um. It's like the illusion never breaks. Right. Well, I like it because everything I, no matter what I've seen her in, I feel like I don't have any clue as to what Ruth Gordon is actually like. 
Mm, oh, yeah. Right, right, right. That she... Um, like her she, off stage. I have no like like whoever Ruth Gordon is doesn't come through at all. Right. Like I can't imagine there some sort of like switched off version of all of this that's just very um, even toned and even tempered. Like I, yeah. in some ways, I almost think it it's just always variations of this. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, this is just like Minnie Castavet is just Ruth Gordon with like more eye makeup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I feel like, and where I think there's like just the most display of maybe why she won the Oscar or just the magic of this performance, I think is when Rosemary and Guy go to dinner at um, at Minnie's apartment. I, I oh. think that scene is like the Oscar reel yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. for Ruth Gordon. Yeah, um, without really being the, f she's the focus without being the focus. And she has, like, the least amount of lines in that entire scene. Yeah, well, right, because it's um, – I always blank on his name. Uh, uh, Roman. Roman, <laughs> it's yeah. Like, and, and like, uh, he's Roman, I'm Minnie, okay? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, no, you're right. Like, she has the least number of lines. The scene is never about her. She's, she's like, the, the supporting character of the scene. Um, but, I mean uh, – to me, it's like it, it's the it's the carpet moment. Oh yeah, that cake, the, just the cake alone. The cake, the way she eats that cake. The way she eats that cake, like, is exactly not how you should be eating things in a performance. <laughs> no, right? Like she's doing it wrong, yeah. and it's so right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, the way she eats that cake when she gives Guy another piece, and she uses her fork to give him the piece. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the way she kind of like gives him the piece, Roman is still talking, but but Minnie kind of like we see her looking at Guy off screen, almost like eh, yeah, you good, you got it. Yeah, like she's <laughs> she plays the scene out beyond what she's supposed to do. Yes, it's, she's uh, waving that fork around, che yeah. chewing like nobody's like she's chewing <laughs> the scenery. Absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, it's like is... usually you want an actor to not draw attention to the fact that they're eating, you know? Right, right, because it could be kind of gross or just like take yeah. you away from the moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or just totally unnatural. But here I'm just like, I would watch her eat that whole cake, actually. Oh, the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, there's, I don't know if you've heard, there's this like, um, uh, I guess genre or um, theme of, of videos on YouTube of just like people eating. And I think like the, is, is like originated in Korea. It's called like mukbang. Yeah, we were now... just talking about that on Gaylords. This like yeah. the new Gaylords. Oh, my God. oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I want Ruth Gordon doing a yeah. mukbang of eating a cake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would hit the subscribe button. Oh Absolutely. my God, yeah, totally. I'd hit that bell to make yeah. sure I didn't send <laughs> notifications. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just. I mean. I feel like this is, to me, like, this is my kind of drag. Like, I, a drag yes. queen doing this <laughs> yeah. is, is how this lives on, you know? Mm -hmm. Ugh. Um, yeah, I mean, between that, I mean, I want a t-shirt that says, The Carpet! And it's like C-A-A-W-W-R-I-P-I-T-T. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Brand new carpet! Yeah. <laughs> 
Or when she goes in the other room to call, like, they're get, you know, they told Rosemary, like, mm-hmm. you got to go with our doctor, Dr. Saperstein. And she goes in and she calls him and she's not the focus again. But you just mm-hmm. hear her say, I got this friend. She's pregnant. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> she's like, pregnant. She's pregnant. <laughs> well, you know, what's great about that moment, that is also what's great about it, but she's obviously we're only hearing her side of the conversation and she says um oh yeah no nothing yet or something that to me i think it's dr saperstein saying oh is she does she know anything yet right and like that like the way that like there can be a moment where within three seconds there's pregnant and then there is (laughs) the suggestion that like Minnie is like oh yeah no we've got one you know right yeah Mm. that's the thing is she's a clown She's in, mm-hmm. she, forget Pennywise, like, this is the evil clown we need. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right? Oh, my God, yeah, Ruth Gordon in a gutter. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we all float down here. Yeah, what do you say? What Come do you on say? down. Come on, kid. Come on down here and float. <laughs> I got this little toy boat to frost and sit right here. Yeah. I want you to come on down here. What do you say? Yeah, it's going to lose its vitamins. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, I, <clears throat> well, you know, I think that, like, that whole thing of, like, yeah, bringing the drinks and, and you know, insisting on the doctor and just kind of intruding like that, it's – what I love about that is that even if there was – there was no sort of, like, dark underbelly of all of this, it's the kind of behavior that – someone can just come in and control your life if you're a certain type of energy and you're encountering a certain type of energy. Um, And I feel like that's, again, like it's not that they, there's certainly witchcraft happening, like taking Hutch's, you know, glove and things like that. Um, Or, you know, the scarf or then Donald Baumgart's glove or whatever the mix was. Um, You know, with Rosemary, it's, it's pure, just like, sociopathic stuff it's just like gaslighting it's oh, just yeah. the whole um, movie yeah and rosemary doesn't want to be rude like that's the thing that women especially in that era were taught is like don't be rude right right and that's the that's like she is kind of locking herself in with the like being the nice girl from omaha you mm-hmm. know that just like doesn't want to step on toes doesn't want to be annoying or um you know offend anybody right uh and i think that's um, you know, kind of comparing that because I think that the Stepford Wives is definitely a sort of companion piece. Um, I think that Joanna is a very different character and is obviously way more powerful. Um, but I think it's kind of the same idea where like what happens in the Stepford Wives, certainly there's devious things happening to other characters, but when it comes to most of the time what's happening to Joanna, it's just people gaslighting her. It's just mm-hmm. people lying to her. Um, and she has that great line that I think runs through both of these as well. It's like um, either I'm either I'm wrong and I'm crazy or I'm right and I don't know which one's worse. Right. And I think that's like, that's really what the central, like the tension of these, of what Ira Levin does is like, it's that human thing of like, I don't even know what to, what to trust, you know? Right. Um, and I think that like the, Rosemary's Baby, the book and the movie both have that first person quality where we need we never see outside of Rosemary's experience. Right. Yeah. But I will. I, I Rosemary is surprisingly forthright, like even when she's, you know, drinking the drinks and all of this and oh, Dr. Saperstein says it'll get better. She knows inside yeah. That, yeah. that that's not true, you know, and she just kind of once things get rolling, she doesn't. She's 
gaslit through this entire movie, but part of her, she never in a way doubts herself, though, at the same time. Right, right. Like, I think, you know, the, a real turning point, or at least temporarily, is the party, you know? Yes. And that scene in the kitchen, if there's something cathartic about that. If Oh, thank God, somebody is here. Elise is here, you know? Yeah, I've just, I've actually just posted about that scene this morning. That was, oh. yeah, like, I just, just whatever on Instagram. But I was like, that is the scene that really struck me, is, like, these women huddling around her. And listening to her and believing her when everybody else in her life has been, you know, just lying to her for so long. Yeah. And she's physically suffering. And then here are these women. And then uh, somebody made a point. Joe from Horror Queers on Bloody mm-hmm. Disgusting uh, made the point that it's sort of channel. It's it's sort of has a descendant in Midsummer. The scene oh. where the women gather around Danny. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I hadn't even thought of that. But totally. Yeah. yeah. There is that like that the physical closeness, the kind of like, you know, there is that like, come on, come, you know, grieve with us in a way, like come to reality with us, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like snap back and like, yeah, get onto our wavelength because it's, you know, like I think when Elise says, you know, pain like that isn't natural. Like that's your body telling you there's something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, like that, that also runs through like your gut instinct is telling you something is wrong right. here. You know, you know this is not the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, that that tension of, you know, I have this deep gut feeling that something is not right here. But every time I look for evidence, the people that I'm trusting the most are telling me, oh, no, 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 that's not real. No, that's not there. No, that's just, you know, whatever, any number of reasons that's, that are believable and innocuous enough. Yeah, because I mean, who's who's telling her that she's wrong? It's her doctor, her husband, and her elders. Like, yeah. if you can't believe them, then who can you believe? Right, right. And I think yeah. especially like if you think of Rosemary having some sort of traditional on the farm or you know bucolic Midwestern upbringing, it's like right. there are traditions and values. You don't question your doctor, you don't question your elders, and you certainly don't question your husband. Right. Like that line she has or when they're all talking about uh, religion, and she's like, well, he is the Pope. Right. Like, she's right. not religious, but but he is the Pope. Like, right. <laughs> you know, she yeah, there's certain standards. That. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when you think of what they spend on robes and jewels, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, I feel like, you know, like we talk about on, on Best Supporting Podcast uh, is kind of like, what's the moment? she won it like what's the moment that somebody like you watch an, a, a scene or a performance and it's like oh this note is for me like when somebody else in the world sat up and said oh this this should be nominated or oh she should win mm. um i don't know if i think that this performance has that peak moment yeah there's no like one showcase moment yeah for the I highlight mean, if, reel you know <laughs> right right exactly right right um the whole there's thing. like set piece moments of like nuances but there's no like oh this is your monologue this is your i'm your mother you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> because for me it's when she just happens to meet rosemary out on the street and then she pulls out a goddamn whistle to get a cab <laughs> i know <laughs> like, right right what? <laughs> who are you <laughs> right 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 um yeah i think exactly i think there's it's things it's it's the whistle it's the cake 
it's the you know reading the mail it's the the carpet the carpet (laughs) (laughs) um you know and even you know when things get because you know my my co-host nick on best supporting podcast he was like i kept waiting for a moment when she was going to kind of reveal her dark underside and like oh we were going to see how insidious minnie really was um and that never happens even even i think like the, the only time it gets close is when rosemary comes to their apartment at the end and she has that line of like he chose you of all the women in the world he chose you to bear his first son or whatever it was yeah yeah. um and even that line there's no you know ha 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 villainous moment it's it's still the same mini right Mm -hmm. oh absolutely i've heard women uh you know older women talk about how it was when Arnold Schwarzenegger got in it for like groping women in elevators and like when, oh. you know, when he had his Me Too moment, right, like 10 right. years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And I, I heard a woman that I worked with talking about how the women he groped should feel honored oh my that God. he groped them because right. they must be attractive. If a big right. movie star wants to grope you. Right, right. And right. so that's Minnie just being like, listen. Why are you complaining about this? Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that if you're just like flip the script, I mean, I think it's like from a religious point of view, it's like God chose you. The whole idea mm-hmm. of being chosen, it's it's all the same, you know, uh, it's the same situation. It's just, you know, a couple of different nuances. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A couple yeah. more horns and claws. Right. Yeah. But then you yeah. look back over the movie and like once – once it's re- it's it's fun knowing what's coming because mm-hmm. you get to look for all the little clues and totally. all of that. And so then you look back and realize how insidious she's been through the entire thing without having like a twirling her mustache moment. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that I think is is what is the most insidious is that she never gives it away. Right. Um. She like she lures her in she keeps her you know she she plays this important role in all of this but like she never reveals any details like i think you know um if there were to be one of those moments i could see roman having one of those moments and even you know in the end he does kind of go to that place of like you know hail satan and he gets he he moves into that villain moment and you know meanwhile Minnie is you know here's you know here drink this it's just plain old lipton's tea you know (laughs) Ah, don't worry about it it's just lipton's (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i i am convinced um a pure ruth gordon moment is when she pulls the knife out of the floor and rubs the floor yes i wrote that down oh my god the rubbing (laughs) of the finger is just like amazing it says so much it's I felt like when she did that, I was like, I know this woman. Oh, God, yeah. I know this woman. You know? <laughs> on the brand new carpet. On a brand new carpet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so good. there's this old, because I just moved, um, I just moved to Astoria, or really back to Astoria after many years um, earlier this month. And uh, there's this old woman who sits like, she has the apartment, like when you first come in the door on the ground level. And she's often sitting on the steps in the little foyer. And um, the first night I met her, uh, she was, uh, my boyfriend and I were coming back from somewhere and we were coming in and she was waiting outside her apartment door and she was like in a robe, you know, (laughs) anti-embolism socks, you know, (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, just, you know, styling out. And so, and we met her and she's like, oh, and she was so like classic, you know, old lady who's been living in Astoria for a gazillion years. And she's like, oh, I'm Helen. And like, you know, and she gave me a good old handshake and, you know, it's like, all right, I'll see a guy and something like that. And, and I've seen her since like sitting in the hallways, um, you know, and I've, I've, for a little while I was thinking like, did I, was Helen like a sister who's always hidden in the apartment and really I'm meeting like Esther, you know, like, <laughs> are there two of you or is this the same person, you know? Um, but I think about Helen and I think about like the role she plays in my life of just this nice old lady who's like, oh, make sure not to slam the door and, you know, make small talk and hey, did you get heat last night? Like she's one of those people. And I think, what if, what if it was her? Like, what if she was, what if I would never suspect Helen? Would I, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure the necklace she gave you smells yeah. weird, but whatever. I'll get used to it. She's old. She doesn't know. She doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to offend her by not wearing right. it, you know. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, so it's it's the kind of thing where as preposterous as, as it all seems, especially with the inclusion of Minnie, it's like, oh god, this could easily happen. Mm-hmm. Like this is not a crazy notion. Right. Could happen to any of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'll, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what happens with Helen, yeah. uh, Esther, God yeah. knows. <laughs> um, I'm, well, you know, I'm mostly with my eye on Best Supporting Actresses and Ruth Gordon. I'm curious your thoughts on Mia Farrow in this movie. I, this time especially, I just fell in love. Mm. I think mm-hmm. she's so good in this. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Like the like so many genuine moments of fragility but not in a not in a way that conveys weakness right right it's it's that fragility of like it's it's fragile and yet enduring you know yeah. we're not she never faints you know she right. never collapses yeah yeah but she's there's a kindness to her that mm-hmm. i find really endearing and she just has a lot of, like you mentioned the phone booth sequence oh is am- is amazing it's I that I mean when I realized it was all one shot, you know, I just mm-hmm. it was exciting because it what it to me like I think people kind of you know they gag about that because it's just like oh the 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 cinematic you know chutzpah to do a one shot take you know it's like theaters over here like girl we've been doing this yeah, you really? know like <laughs> yeah. just because you sat there and did a monologue it's like. <laughs> take two seats you know in the mezzanine you know but um i what i love about it is it it, the the scene relies 90 percent on mia farrow Mm -hmm. like there isn't even much in the way of music the you know there's obviously some stuff that goes on in the background william castle has a great little cameo but all of the tension is on mia farrow having a phone call Mm -hmm. and like it's the way she twists the cord in her fingers i yeah I love yeah. that scene. Yeah, I mean, she is all quivering lips and wide eyes in this, and it just works. Yeah, I I think my favorite little nuance of that scene is when Dr. Hill suggests she come tomorrow, and then I it's the way that we hear her voice as the phone call, and it, like, almost reverbs, or she either says no or now, and it's, like, it's those moments of, like, Rosemary getting loud and peaky and snapping, and it, like, it's... I think because it comes out like a distorted phone recording, it's even more jarring of like, ooh, Rosemary is desperate. Like, mm-hmm. it really conveys that. Yeah. She has nobody at that yeah. point. Oh, she has nobody. Yeah. 
Well, I think the I think the phone booth is like this incredible metaphor, right? It's yeah. like she is she's alone in this little thing. Everyone can see her. And so she's technically alone or like protected in this space. But anywhere outside around her, like it's all up for, you know, interpretation in terms of where the threats are. Right. Yeah. She's completely vulnerable. Yeah. At yeah. At the same time. And I do love her little, it's it's almost a comedic moment in that scene, but her little, when she fakes the conversation, when the woman is trying to get in and she's like, because <laughs> yeah. she really goes for it. Like, Rosemary, you don't have to go that far with it. Right, she's, she's like, like, oh, really? Oh, no. What what time? Oh, like, <laughs> it's so oh, oh, what did he say? Yeah, oh, what did yeah. he say? Oh, really? He said that? Wow, well. It's great. <laughs> it's so yeah. Great. And, and the way that she does, she like, she, she when she switches into that and that reminds me a little bit of like Ruth Gordon as Minnie kind of putting it on. Like she's doing the same thing Minnie was doing of like putting on a performance that like we know watching Mia Farrow isn't working, but that's not the idea. The idea is that Rosemary is putting on a barely convincing performance, but she's committed to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's the layers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also really love the scene with Dr. Hill afterwards where she, I mean, it's, again, it really correlates with the scene with the therapist in the Stepford Wives where she just lays it all out. It's just like the monologue moment. Um, And it's, there's like some very long takes in that scene where she's just like, it's like watching Sandy Dennis, you know, like she's just doing so many Mm -hmm. things at once and like, there's all these little ticks and, and, you know, nervous ways of, of, of saying things and self interruptions. And it's, and it all kind of feels like, yeah, like cotton candy. Like it's all just about to like collapse. Right. Yeah. She's letting so much out, Mm -hmm. you know, all of this tension. She thinks she's finally found someone who's going to save, like protect her and protect, protect Andy or Jenny. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, Andy or Jenny. It's like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's because in the book I feel like those lines were all just like italicized thoughts yes and so yeah. it's like oh you know it, it, it's it's moments of vague clunkiness but she I don't I don't blame Mia Farrow for that yeah oh no I love all those like, she has a lot of those little moments where she just mm-hmm. like you know closes her eyes and is like it's all fine it's all yeah. fine like just reassuring mm-hmm. herself I think there like it doesn't even feel dated like a dated conceit or anything like that like I just it's a little quirk of Rosemary Woodhouse yeah and I think you know the the ex- uh, example of that that I love is when she's in the phone booth and she starts to laugh into her hand when she says all of the witches you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like she becomes delirious at the idea of it it's oh, yeah God. I, I love that moment Ugh. um I also think we'd be remiss, you know, if we did not mention Patsy Kelly. Oh, my God. I mean. <laughs> There's your I, gay Donald Sutherland moment, yeah. right? <laughs> I was definitely looking around anybody. anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just, oh, she's so perfect. Oh, I mean, I just used to give me whiskey through a straw to cut the pain. Yeah. <laughs> rocking the baby and then like i mean at this point like we know it's satan's baby in the bassinet Mm -hmm. rosemary is in a room full of satanists like being completely vulnerable are they gonna kill her what's going on patsy kelly is just rocking that crib and then when finally rosemary's gonna take over and as she walks by she sticks out her tongue at her yeah oh yeah (laughs) she's just there's something so like wonderfully grotesque about her, yes. you know. Yeah. Um. 
like she would so fit in well in the building in the Sentinel. <laughs> oh my god, yes. You know? <laughs> oh my god. Put her in a uh, leotard and she could just join the lesbian apartment. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> she and Beverly D'Angelo are just fingering themselves on the couch. <laughs> That's what they do. They're lesbians. That's what they do, right? Isn't that how it works? <laughs> Um, well, I was so I was watching Rosemary's Baby, I guess, on like Amazon Prime, and they have like the trivia, and so I didn't realize like that Patsy Kelly was an out lesbian for you know since like the forties, yeah. and um, Which and that is she like, was wow, yeah, you know, right, and and like I guess was the um, assistant and friend and uh, sometimes lover of Tallulah Bankhead. Yeah, I mean, I just wow. I love classic <laughs> Hollywood lesbianism. Yeah. I just, <laughs> It's so, I don't know what it is. I love it. (laughs) It's, you know, we actually, the episode that Anthony and I just recorded yesterday, we were kind of talking about, and without sounding like old people, you know, but Mm. just like our gay elders. Yeah. You know, like in a sense, I think all of us are gay elders at this point, but the one, like your Patsy (laughs) Kellys, we were specifically talking about Paul Lind. Oh, sure. You know, like the old Hollywood gays. That were mm-hmm. maybe in a glass closet. Like the idea that Patsy Kelly came out so early and we're still seeing her on screen in Rosemary's Baby. Right. It's right. crazy. It defies the odds. I mean, in so much. Because even like, especially like a lesbian coming out in Hollywood, I feel like. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it, but there's like that documentary about the sort of like. Hollywood, the male Hollywood madam, like Scotty Bowers or something like mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. I think he just passed he just away. just passed away. Yeah. But I, I've been wanting to see that or read the book just because I love – it's just like I love that idea of like, oh, my God, they were all just like cruising each other in, you know, in, in Hollywood. Yeah, it was you know? all – it feels like – I think I said this on our show. is like it just feels like the coolest club that you yeah. could be in. Right, right, exactly. I mean like, yeah, what a, you know – what a circle, you know, like yeah, what it's a it's <laughs> like the Algonquin round table, you know, <laughs> totally, totally. But it's just a bungalow in Palm Springs <laughs> completely. But there's still something like wildly glamorous about it. Even yeah. even the closetedness of it all. It's like, yeah, but like, I don't know when I when I just when I think of like Patsy Kelly and Tallulah Bankhead, I'm still seeing like Tallulah Bankhead in like a gown. I don't know, you know, right. like, I'm <laughs> yeah. not picturing a dress down version where they're just like, you know, in their PJs. Like yeah. it's, and it's it's still like darling. You yes, know? like exactly. It's just like God, I would love to have been able to hang out with all of them. Right? You know? Oh, I know, I know. Um, I know. I just want. I not that I don't think Thelma Ritter was a lesbian, but that's my kind of like old Hollywood lesbian. It's yeah, like you're Agnes Moorhead. <laughs> Totally. I want like a good handsome woman, you know. Yeah, Yeah. she's always a Mrs. Danvers, never a Rebecca. Oh my god, (laughs) tote bag. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Oh yeah, Um, but uh, yeah, I think that like Patsy Kelly is uh, is such a great addition to this, and is such a. I think she's doing similar work. I mean, obviously that one scene where she and Minnie come over, they're doing similar work of like everything on the surface just appears like, oh God, these like intrusive old bitty neighbors. Mm -hmm. But she is like a monster underneath Mm -hmm. and you just don't see it. Yep. And that's what I love. And that's what didn't, that's what didn't work for me when I was a teenager because I had like one metric of scariness. Yeah. And it was Michael Myers. 
Get right, right. I needed it like I, I needed that tone, or else I just wasn't going to hear it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Was um, was a horror movie going to scare me in that way? Was a horror movie scary? That's the oh, that's the only way it could be a horror movie is if it scares me. Right. You know? Like if there isn't a chase scene, if there isn't a body count, like I mean, right. it's kind of like just a thriller, you know, <laughs> or like it's a just drama, a, a drama that got a little out of hand. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> a little out of hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I and now like watching it, I just, I mean, and I, again, I have the same feeling with the Stepford Wives, where I'm just uneasy from the start, you know. Right. Um, I just watched because I just did an episode. I think my version of like on for you guys on Gailers of Darkness with Suspiria, I feel like my <laughs> version of that is becoming the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Because <sighs> um, I just did an episode again about that, and uh, yeah, it's just like. Watching that movie, I mean, I could go on all day about it, but like the moment it starts, I'm like, oh God, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so uneasy. I just like, mm-hmm. part of me just can't wait till this is over. You right. know? Yeah. We were just talking, I swear to God, on our last episode, we talked about, are you, did you bug I, my apartment or something? I know. I know. This is, we are on the same wavelength this week. This is weird. I know. No, I know. I feel like when you guys first started, there were like, like I think like the I had just decided, ooh, I should do an episode about blood rage, and then you guys did one about blood rage, and I was like, okay, yeah. all right, I can't do it now because it's gonna. Yeah. <laughs> We're all Donald Sutherland standing in a circle, <laughs> pointing at each other, pointing and screaming. <laughs> yeah. I totally, I know. <laughs> oh, I mean, to tangent for two minutes on Texas Chainsaw oh, Massacre. I, I'm assuming you've seen like the remastered, yeah. you know, oh. gorgeous. I just can't i mean it's i think it relates to rosemary's baby and just a movie that you see again years after the original like scratchy vhs and it's like this is american cinematography and filmmaking at its finest absolutely texas chainsaw is i mean i think toby hooper really lucked out with daniel pearl as a cinematographer Uh and all the actors like that movie is just a bolt of lightning that's not going to come along again no, no. I mean, the idea that it has sequels and remakes just feels so like, you know, painting the peacock. Like you just can't. Yeah. Nothing attaches to this movie. It's a singular experience. Yes. Um, I think actually you and I have had a similar thought. And so who knows who's bugging whose apartment. But I think you had <laughs> said uh, on a recent episode of Gaylers of Darkness that Texas Chainsaw Massacre feels like a movie that you sh- you're not supposed to see. Yeah. Like where like I shouldn't even be watching this. And um yeah, like that was I mean, uh I'd watched it the other night and like I my boyfriend hadn't seen it before and so I was like, What do Oof. you know about it? He said, I know it's set in Texas, I'm assuming a lot of people die, and I'm assuming at least one person by a chainsaw, you know? <laughs> uh, I was like, Okay, great, perfect. And so when it was over, I was like, Okay, so what did you think? And he was like, I think for him, the feeling of like, God, it just like happened. You know, like yeah. it there's no the all of kind of the like say thinking of the remake right like there's so much more built in narratively there's so many more set pieces whereas like the original is just documenting an awful you know 18 hours right yeah you just need that house yeah yeah it's like that's it and and it's like there's no you know uh sally enters this nightmare as randomly as she leaves it you know it's uh Oh, God. Yeah, she shows up and then she drives away. And right. A lot of shit happens in the middle. <laughs> but, a whole bunch but, of shit happens. Yeah. But that's it. Yeah. And you realize, like, oh my God, one really bad day. Like, I think about yes. that sometimes with horror movies, like uh, the original Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. Barbara had a really bad 
day. Yes, totally. It's such a bad day. Yeah, <laughs> we just it's... like these characters and we're like, well, why didn't she do this? And why didn't she? Do... And it's like if you were just like on your way to the grocery store and yep. the next thing you know, Leatherface is chasing you. Right. It's like, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Wh- yeah. What would you have done differently? Yeah. What you know? would you have done differently, Stacy? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, putting on pants some days just seems like too much. Right. Right. Yeah. And- <laughs> Sally jumped out two windows. It's yeah. it's anything if I leave my apartment at all, you know? Yeah, I'm like, should I check my mail today? I don't know. Let it build up a little. You know? Yeah. I need to get all the way down those two flights just to discover nothing in there, you know? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, I mean, Marilyn Burns will always be my favorite final girl. Yeah. I just, like, and to me, it's like, there are other final girls who have fought back more or, like, shown more, like, um, physical like power or like you know just really stuck it to the villain but no one I feel like has endured the way Sally has yeah no one's had to dig as deep as Sally like yeah. she is just running on pure animal instinct by the end of it right, yeah I kind of feel like the way I see uh, by the end of the movie but it's like most of it is just like this stubborn insistence on staying alive yes yeah, I mean, throwing herself out of a window twice. Right. Like, you know, it's like she doesn't even hesitate. She just runs through the window. Yeah, it, exactly. I mean, I think that, like, to get to that point where it's like, well, whatever. Like, either I stay here and I get bashed in over a bucket or I, you know, dive yeah. out this window. Yeah. I think that's also, like, what I find so hard about watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre is that by the end – Sally, it's like when the hitchhiker is just like slashing at her as she's running up to the road, it just becomes like a countdown of like, okay, does he kill her or does she get away? And she just refuses to stop trying to get away. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the most draining horror movies. Oh, I mean, that ending, I think, is just like so accurate to just, it's like, yeah, that would be how everyone would feel in this situation. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do wonder about Sally, poor Sally's life after this, but Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I it's like the one one of those things where I I can't bear to watch a horror movie where everybody dies. I'm like, what why why did I sit through this? Like what yeah. was the point, you know? Yeah. Um but I feel like in this it's like, okay, well she survived, but that whole idea of like what will be left of them, it's like, well, you know, I mean, not much. Not much. Yeah. Uh, but that feels accurate, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, to, to you know, because I really just wanted to queen out on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but to, <laughs> to tie this back to the topic at hand, I think Rosemary's Baby is similar of, like, it's not a happy ending. Um, Rosemary doesn't, like, you know, foil them all. Uh, but it's, it's not necessarily like a, oh, you're doomed, you know, dun-dun-dun kind of ending. It's like could you do this you know could you could you raise this child you know like um could you live in this like weird gray area of life right yeah it's kind of remarkable that they're the satanists just are not concerned with her no at all she has served her purpose and they don't even care enough to kill her right right like i think that like what's she gonna do who's she gonna go tell like there's just no um yeah there's that sense that they didn't have to be covert about it by the end and that that's kind of like the worst thing of all is that like it's all happening you know right here you know on 73rd street and like mm-hmm. there's nothing you can do about it yeah the way the camera goes back out like pans mm-hmm. back out to that skyline again 
Yeah. And I guess like to go back to, you know, to tie it back to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's like when I see that, I think, man, there's so much going on in this city right now. There's so many stories happening. And in this apartment, in this building, you know, Satan's right. son has been born, you know? Yeah. Um, have you seen the sequel, Look What Happened to Rosemary's Baby? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I've only seen like the opening 20 minutes with Patty Duke. Um, and it's just like the most bonkers 20 minutes of cinema. It's just. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's not. I guess it's not at all similar to the book. Unlike I haven't. The first yeah. One. Yeah. Like Son of Rosemary. Yeah. Um, I haven't read it, so I don't think it is. Yeah. So I'm I'm really interested to read that book as well to see like what was supposed to happen right, <laughs> versus right. what we got. But I guess Patty Duke was in the running for Rosemary in the first film. Oh, I think I'd read that. Yeah, which I mean, I you know, it's the kind of role where I I think it's sort of you know from that actressing point of view, it's like the kind of role where oh god, I'd love to see what this person would do or that person would do with that role. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I I think with Ruth Gordon, it's like. Um, I don't necessarily have thoughts on like, oh, like who else at the time would have been great. But it's like if they remade it today, I was thinking like, do you know the actress June Squibb? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's the kind of character, like actor I'd love to see doing like a modern mini cast of yeah. that. You I don't. Know? Did you ever see the remake of this, the Made for TV? Oh, that like four-hour Made for TV. Yeah. No, I did I, not. I don't think anybody did. <laughs> I don't think anybody right. saw it. Um, you have have you seen it? No. no. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just you know there was something about it where it was like, like I I already knew in the mere fact that it was a remake that it was not, you know. It wasn't what I wanted, you know? Yeah, um, well, the cast wasn't like, oh, my God, this is going to be a fresh take, and I can't wait to see what this person does with the role. It was just right. like, you enjoyed Rosemary's Baby. Now, 40 years later, here's the Dollar Tree version of it. Like, <laughs> totally, we totally. Don't, we don't. Who needs this? Right. Know? Yeah, I and I, I don't, like, I just sort of assumed, like, well... I bet they're not going to like play it as dark as they did in the original. Like this feels yeah. like the kind of movie where there's a whole sequence of like Rosemary escaping with the baby and being on the run. Like I just yes. feel like, you know, <laughs> or her husband has a change of heart. Right. At some point. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I don't, I don't need those like modern um, no. tropes just to make me feel better. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's Rosemary's Baby. Um, is there anything else uh, that we haven't covered that you feel needs a moment of appreciation? Boy, I mean, just the whole thing. Yeah, other than the whole <laughs> just thing. Just the whole thing, you know? Like, I'm so yeah. happy that I that you asked me to do this because it made me rewatch this film. And it's just like, I was just floored again. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, this is so this is how you make a movie. Like this is this is how you set up a shot. This is how you build yeah. tension. Like um this is how you like work in little nuances in like a show not tell sort of way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I I feel like it's the kind of movie that yeah, I can revisit every once in a while and either, you know, watch through different lenses, watch yes. Mia Farrow's performance or watch the the cinematography or 
um, you know, Charles Grodin's mustache. Oh, Charles Grodin's, uh, you know, Act Two mustache. <laughs> is it a mustache? Is I it? don't know what it is. <laughs> it must be something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look at that thirteen-year-old doctor. Oh, <laughs> totally. Yeah. Get this Doogie Howser moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, well, I, thank you so much uh, for this is, uh, yes, th this is my life's work is queening out on nuances. So thank you for co-signing that fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for having me. It's definitely, I love to get out the red string. You oh, know, yeah. Connect the dots and just focus in on three seconds of a movie. Totally, totally. Yeah. I just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I want to do like a whole podcast where it's just, you know, like when people do those like minute by minute ones of a movie. Yeah. It's like, I feel like. Um, I mean, I think Suspiria would be kind of a perfect minute by minute podcast. Oh my God. I don't need, I don't mean to plant seeds and grow trees, you know. And... I mean, it could, I'm living that minute to minute Suspiria life. Seriously. So, I mean, I could like, oh, okay, today's episode will be about the way Susie blinks. Right. <laughs> this one right. scene. Right. Like, oh. And, and yet I think with Suspiri, it's like, yeah, but that blink meant something. It meant something. Nobody right. would blink unless it meant something. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> if it doesn't mean something, then what am I spending my life's work doing? You know? <laughs> Has this been folly? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, where can where can folks find uh, more of you in this in this world? Um, in this workaday world, yeah. Um, I guess the best place to find me is at my blog, Final Girl, which is at finalgirl.rocks. <laughs> <laughs> which really, Stacy? That's the, yeah, it is. I mean, you know, let them know in the right right from the let start, know, yeah. right from the get go, what to expect. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's probably the best place to find me. Uh, Wednesdays, new episodes of Gaylords of Darkness. You can find us anywhere you conjure a podcast or at gaylordsofdarkness.com. Or I'm on Instagram at finalgirl, G-R-R-L, because regular final girl was taken. Huh. So, yeah. the nerve, the nerve. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So I guess that's it. Um, yeah, October's wrapping up. I just have done uh, 31 days of Suspiria content on Final Girl. Ugh, I mean, really. It, yeah. A moment of appreciation for that level of, <laughs> of dedication. Of, of obsession. It's great. I mean, <laughs> it's an inspiration. Yeah. Would, uh, 31 years wouldn't be enough. No. I think. But. Yeah, yeah, I know, but it, it, but I'll take the next thirty-one to find out. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then November eleventh, uh, I'm putting out a Suspiria zine mm. um, that one Mr. Colin Drucker is a part of. Oh, that's true. That is true. I oh my, that was like it was like well, yeah, I would I would love to do this. Yes, it's yeah. like so rarely are you asked to do things in this world that you want to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's a it's just a zine. It's a very small group of homos mm. who are who loves Suspiria. And I was just like, write something or draw something or whatever. So it's just kind of our little gay coven. It's uh. our love letter to the movie. So. <laughs> I can't wait. I love that. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, well, thank you so much. Uh, again, this has been so much fun. Um, Consider an open invitation. Come on back anytime. Uh, 
you know. You. Yeah. Uh, so that I can look around this metaphorical circle and at least someone right. will look back at me and go, yep, yep, I, I noticed that too. Yeah. I saw that too. I saw yep, that. Yep, the cop it. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, of course, if you want to get in touch with me, if you want to share your thoughts on Rosemary's Baby or anything else, really, you can drop me an email at inthedetailspod at gmail.com. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Colin Drucker or Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore underscore because, yes, Colin Drucker was taken. Oh. Um, yeah, it comes to us all. Um, <laughs> you can also get more of me on my relatively new podcast, Best Supporting Podcast with Nick Kachanov, where we are queening out on Best Supporting Actresses, including uh, the episode that just came out this week about Ruth Gordon. So I'm having oh. a... Yeah, I'm having a real, uh, a, a major mini week, you know? <laughs> it's a second piece of cake. <laughs> I'm totally having a second piece of that cake. Um, <laughs> uh, and of course, you can always get more of me on my podcast, All Right Mary, uh, cleaning out about drag queens and drag competition reality shows. Um, that's about it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in for another celebration of all of the micro moments acting choices and magic and the minutiae of rosemary's baby see ya <laughs>